All right, everybody. Today, if you are... Uh, sorry. <laughs> that has never happened before. That is the first time. Sorry about that, Michelle. <laughs> That's hilarious. 300 episodes. 300 episodes. Um, <laughs> all right. All right, everybody. If you are interested in creating an online course, we have this show for you today. We are super excited to be sitting with Michelle Caruana, and we're going to be getting into how to get started in creating an online course and marketing that course. Michelle, we are so excited to have you here today. Can we just jump right into it? Um, if you were getting started with a course, what action steps would you be taking right now? So I would definitely start creating a course in something that I was an expert in. I think a lot of people dive into the course creation process because they think it's a need or they see a need and it causes them to burn out pretty quickly if they're not passionate about it or if they're not confident in it. I think imposter syndrome is a huge thing with online business, especially with social media channels like TikTok and things like that, where everybody has kind of started jumping into the course creation business. So I kind of did that when I first got started. I was really working and spending a lot of time on identifying problems that people were having and trying to solve a need for that, almost like an inventor. But once I kind of switched and said, you know what, what am I actually passionate about? What's going to get me excited? What can I talk about without preparation? Things like that. I was asking the wrong question. So I, again, if I could go back, I think I would spend more time on focusing on my own strengths and what I was good at and what people were already coming to me for, rather than just trying to find a gap in the market. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, what do you think are the biggest mistakes people that set out to create an online course are making right now? I think they spend a lot of time on the course creation process and getting all the bells and whistles and making it really fancy. And they forget to really craft an offer that is going to be compelling enough for people to buy. So they're not working on a lead generation system. They're not creating an audience and fostering relationships with them. They're kind of getting a little bit ahead of themselves and diving too far into the actual course and not doing all of those preliminary steps. Because when you grow an audience first and you kind of understand what issues they're having, what they struggle with, what their biggest roadblocks are, you don't even know if you're headed in the right direction with your online course. So a lot of people are creating these courses and churning out this paid content, and then they're putting it in front of this audience that is not comfortable with them, that doesn't see them as the expert in that subject matter. And they're putting this offer in front of them that actually isn't really what they want. So I prefer to go about it the opposite way and instead, again, grow the audience, start talking to them, get on the phone with them or on a Zoom call if you have to, really get into, again, what they need, what they're struggling with, and then build from there. I would be in total alignment with you there, um, mostly because of mistakes that I've made. Because when the first things I started doing is like, oh, I have this great idea. Other people are going to think it's great too. And then just a small amount of re market research will tell you oftentimes your ideas, nobody cares about them and nobody wants them. Um, so are you in favor of the sell then build strategy then? So it's a little bit complicated. So I love selling before creating if you've already established a rapport with your audience and if you've already done the legwork, again, in understanding their wants and needs. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend just starting to throw offers together, put them out there, see what sticks, and then creating. 
I think there's a lot more that goes into that process than a lot of people think. So what I actually prefer doing is doing as much one-on-one work and consulting as possible because that's actually going to be a lot more effective than just throwing offers out there, seeing what sticks, because you really never know, you know, maybe you just didn't put the offer out there long enough, or maybe you didn't word it in the right way, or maybe your sales page wasn't compelling enough. So I think a lot of people do this, you know, fail fast strategy, which I don't think is incorrect. I really like the logic behind it, but they're not giving themselves enough of a chance to actually sell that offer. So for example, I work with a lot of people who say, well, you know, I tried to put this membership out there. I did a founding member offer. I, you know, did the selling before creating and nobody bit. And I say, well, you know, how long did you put it out there for? And they'll say, well, you know, I tried for two weeks. I, you know, posted a bunch of times on Instagram about it, or I tried to sell it to a couple of the people that were in my DMs. And a lot of times they're actually throwing away an idea that could have been really effective if they would have just kind of played the long game and gave it a little bit more of a chance maybe looked at where people were falling off. So maybe it was their sales page. Maybe it was their checkout page. Maybe it was their price point. So I do like selling before actually creating the product. So you're not creating too much double work for yourself and having to go back. But I do think that people are failing a little too fast and calling things failures a little bit prematurely. Absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. And, and just to, to highlight something you said, it's like, oh, I punched, I posted a bunch of times on Instagram. It's like, how many times did you post? Um, <laughs> because most people aren't tracking that information and yeah, it's super and, important. You know, how many people, how many people actually saw it? Is that where your audience is actually hanging out? Is it, you know, maybe it wasn't your posting strategy. Maybe it was something else and they're not diving into the data. They're not actually looking at the numbers and figuring out Was it my offer that didn't stick? Or again, was it somewhere else in the funnel or in the lead generation process where you kind of lost your audience? So, you know, if I would have given up on my first course after my first failed webinar or after, you know, my 10th, then I wouldn't be sitting here where I am today. So when I hear people say, you know, create and if it doesn't stick, do something else or pivot. I really wish that more people would hold off on pivoting until they really understand why something didn't work exactly the way they wanted to. Absolutely. Um, so this opens up a question, like how do you choose when to pivot and when to stay your ground? So again, to me, I'm a numbers person. So I have a master's degree in economics. It's just something that I'm really comfortable with. So for me, if all of the numbers are looking good, like if everybody's opening my emails and they're clicking the emails and they're going to the sales page and they're going to the checkout page and, you know, they're putting in all of this effort and they're actually, you know, signaling to me through their actions that they're interested in the offer, but for whatever reason, they're not actually completing the purchase. To me, that is more indicative of an issue than if, you know, I sent out an email and, hey, maybe nobody bought, but nobody also opened the email. So maybe it was a subject line, maybe it was the email. But if people are going all the way through that sales funnel and then still not purchasing, what I'll do is I'll try to actually reach out to those people. And I use active campaigns. So I always make sure to tag people correctly so that I can actually send an email to those, you know, let's say 500 people and say, Hey, you know, quick question. I saw that you were interested in this and you know, you don't have to be creepy about it. You don't have to say, hey, I saw that, you know, you clicked this link three times and still didn't buy, right? You don't have to give away all of your knowledge, but you can say, 
you know, you seemed like you were interested in this, you didn't end up buying, what happened? And this is extra effective for people that have small audiences. So if you're working with an email list of 50,000 people, you might not want to solicit actual replies and responses because it would be too overwhelming and you wouldn't be able to manage that. You might have to send out a survey or a Google Doc or something like that so that you can aggregate that data and actually work with it. But if you're working with a small audience, a list that's less than even like 10,000 people, you can say, reply to this email and let me know why you didn't purchase. And those responses can often be very telling and they can be absolutely fascinating. So for example, I put out a course last year, I believe, about Instagram and Facebook ads for indoor playground owners, which is my niche. I work with indoor playground owners. And it really didn't have as big of an impact as I was expecting. A lot of people were consuming my free YouTube videos about it. They were signing up for my free class. They were consuming the content. And then they didn't end up buying the course. And I did exactly this. I reached out to them. I sent out one email to everybody that had clicked the link but not actually purchased. And I said, you know, what is going on? And actually, all of their replies said that they felt like they had enough information to go on after the free class. So once I kind of changed how I was attracting them and what I was giving them before the offer, I said, you know, oh my gosh, maybe they don't need this free mini course before they buy the program. Maybe they just need a checklist or maybe they just need something a little bit simpler. And once I figured that out, I completely redid my sales funnel. I nurtured my audience in a different way. And all of a sudden, course sales took off. So again, it kind of comes back to when to pivot and not just when to pivot, but what you actually need to pivot because it's not always what you think. But if you never ask those questions, if you never listen to your audience, you're never going to have that information. Absolutely. So, I mean, it sounds like you're actually giving away too much for free at that point. So like that's that's another big issue now because a lot of people are like, just give it all away for free and then people will just come to you. But that's not always the case because they don't need you half the time unless, unless you have the next step built into your sales process, right? So um, how would you define or how, what would you recommend to people in a, in a value-driven society? Like how much do you give away nowadays? So I think the general rule of thumb in the online education space is you give away the what and the why and you reserve the how for behind a paywall. And I do that to an extent. I do think that I educate a lot more on my free platforms, primarily my podcast and YouTube channel. I think I give away a lot more than most online educators do and a lot of people will fault me for that. But the thing about our industry is that it is full of unknowns. It is really scary. It is very intimidating. So I need to work a little bit harder to get people to buy into the idea of opening a brick and mortar business, specifically an indoor playground. So I think it really depends on what your topic is and what your niche is. For me, where I draw the line is I always keep anything that is going to make their process faster, easier, cheaper behind a paywall. So for example, I will talk all day on YouTube about the build out process and what goes into it and how much it's going to cost. But if you want my actual checklist with milestones and tasks and everything organized and exactly how they need to do it, that's going to be in my course. So the way I talk about my paid content in my free content is you know, we're going to talk about this topic for 30 minutes, but if you want to grab my template, that's going to save you seven hours in this process. Or 
if you want my discount code for working with this particular supplier, that's going to be in my course. And I think you have to get really confident about integrating your paid content into your free content. So any YouTube video you watch of mine now, you can't watch more than 10 minutes of it without knowing that I have this course that's going to make your life a lot easier and less expensive. You can't listen to a podcast episode without knowing that, hey, I have all of these solutions and templates and resources that are going to make this process so much easier, so much more enjoyable, and it's going to set you up for success. And that's something that people get really uncomfortable doing in the beginning, or they feel really uncomfortable doing that because they think, well, this is free content. You know, it's going to feel like a sales pitch or it's going to feel like, you know, really inauthentic. But everything kind of changed for me when I got comfortable saying, you know, yes, I'm on this free platform. Yes, I'm giving you all of this free information. But hey, I have this easier solution for you. It's going to save you time. It's going to save you money. And the mindset shift that I had to have is that you know, I'm doing people a disservice if I don't let them know that I have all of these resources and all of this information and this great program available. So that's kind of where I draw the line between my free and paid content is I am an open book on social media. There's no question that I really won't answer. But again, if you want my actual process and step-by-step and all of those resources that I've spent so much time and money putting together, Again, that's going to be behind a paywall in my content. Okay. Um, so where do you put these call to actions? Obviously, call to action is extremely important. And usually if people have a large audience in podcasts or YouTubes that they're not capitalizing on, it's because they're not utilizing the call to actions correctly. So like, what does a good call to action look like? How frequently do you put it in? And so on and so forth. So I'm all about lead magnets. I know that there is, you know, <laughs> A lot of people talking right now about, um, you know, going right in for the sale. And while I do love talking about my paid content, I do like to allow people to get a little bit more comfortable with me, get on my email list, dip their toe in the water just a little bit, figure out if my teaching style is right for them, all that good stuff. So I have a couple cornerstone, I guess what I would call lead magnets in my business. So I have them geared towards all of my different customers at all of their different stages. So what I mean by that is I have a free downloadable business bundle that is meant for somebody who is just getting started, who is not quite sure yet that this business is for them. And then for another customer who might be a little bit further along in their journey, you know, they've already decided that it's right for them, but they're really stuck on the funding process. And again, this is all information that I learned from listening and talking to my customers. I identified pretty quickly that funding was a place where a lot of people were getting stuck and they felt like they couldn't move forward in purchasing my course or with their business plans before they tackled that. So I have a free two-hour class on how to fund your business. And I also have various low price offers in my business. So for example, I have a $27 business plan toolkit that is, you know, a 34-page downloadable template with a 70-minute training and That has sold, I think last time I checked, over 4,000 copies of just that business Mm -hmm. plan toolkit. And that's only something that I've been offering in the last couple years. And that's not even counting the other channels that I sell them on because I sell that toolkit on Etsy and other places that's just coming directly through my website. And I found that having these free and low-priced resources really helps kind of, again, get people 
to build their own confidence up because this is a scary decision to make. You know, when you're talking about online business, it has a very low barrier to entry, very low cost associated, and there's really not that many consequences if somebody decides to up and walk away from their online business. However, in the brick and mortar world, there are very real consequences. Financially, mentally, there's a lot that goes into the process. So again, I feel like I have to work a lot harder to get people comfortable with both me and my teaching style and getting them to trust that I am an expert in this industry and also getting them confident in themselves. So again, that's where the free and low-priced offers come in. So even though I do mention my course and my membership a lot in my free content, I also say, you know, hey, if you're listening to this and you're curious, but you're not quite sure where to start or how to get started, I have a great resource for you to get started. It's linked in the show notes or it's linked in the description. And sometimes if it's, you know, a topic that I know is going to be on the top of everyone's mind, I'll create a free resource just for that video or for that podcast. But I found that at the very least, because I just don't have that much time to do that every single episode. I do three episodes a week and two YouTube videos a week. So that would be a lot of free resources to provide. I found that as long as I have at least one free or low-cost resource for somebody at every step of their journey, that is effective enough to, again, grow my email list at the rate that I want and also nurture them to eventually purchase either consulting or a course. So I have, again, the free bundle for somebody who's just getting started. I have the funding class. And then I have various resources for current owners who are already open. So maybe they're struggling with their marketing. I have a free resource for that. Maybe they're struggling mentally with preparing for a recession. I have a playlist of podcast episodes that is perfect for that person. So again, I really try to meet people exactly where they are. And I try to create not just free content and videos for people at these various stages, but also a free resource. So again, I can continue that relationship and let them know when I have a new video or a new podcast out. Everyone who listens to our show knows Matt and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times you have watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. And the results prove this. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secret that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is why we have opened up a few one-on-one -on -one coaching slots with Freedom Chasers Coaching, where you can get a plan to financial freedom that is completely customized to fit who you are and where you want to go and most importantly, how you want to get there, where you can get a plan to financial freedom that is completely customized to fit who you are, where you want to go, and how you want to get there. The benefit of working with Matt and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 successful people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten the inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We are able to work with you to pick the strategy that will fit the best and then help you create the custom plan and steps to take you quickly into financial freedom. The fastest way between two points is a straight line. 
If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us, and let's get you on a straight-line path to freedom. Okay, that's very cool. I love how you said one free resource at every step of the journey. Um, how do you define what the journey typically looks like? Is that through market research, through life experience? Give me some context there. Yeah, so I actually, on my sales page, it's one of my favorite parts of my sales page, I have the place-based owner success path. So it's generally broken down into five stages. And of course, I don't have it in front of me, but it's generally broken down into daydreaming, funding, planning, opening, and then optimizing. I'm paraphrasing because I've changed those words around a little bit as I you know, hear what resonates with people. But I've broken down the process into those five stages, and my course is broken down in a really similar way. And I can very easily now, I think just through experience and through talking to people, I can really easily identify what stage they're at. And again, this is something that I keep behind a payroll, a paywall. So on my sales page, I have a couple bullet points under each stage. So for example, under opening, there's, you know, the build-out process, there's licenses and permits, there's pre-marketing strategy. But for my students, I actually have each of these phases or each of these stages rather really flushed out into, I mean, the littlest tiny details like buy a cash drawer, go to the bank, get extra change. Like that's part of the opening process. So again, because I have flushed that process out through both my own experience in opening to indoor playground locations. But now I have the luxury of having worked with over 600 current owners in their process as well. So I've gotten a great, you know, behind the stage pass in their businesses. So that's why I'm always tweaking and optimizing and updating my lists and my phases and things like that. So that when somebody says, okay, I signed my lease, but I'm choosing a POS system. I say, perfect. I see that you're in stage three, milestone four, you know, checklist item three. So because I've created these resources, again, it really helps me very quickly and easily identify where somebody is. And not only does that help me identify what resource is great for them, but it completely frames the conversation because I know, or I can assume what they've already done. And also I know what's coming up and they might not know that. So I might need to illuminate that path for them a little bit, if that makes sense. And again, a lot of times these people feel like they're just looking into the void. It feels like it's a never ending checklist. So just putting those phases and action items in front of them in a very easy to digest manner. I think a lot of people purchase my program for that specifically, because again, there is so much unknown about this type of business. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially if you're offering based on the, the the point in the journey that they are. That helps you identify where each person is and you can tailor the marketing to where they are in the journey, right? So um, that makes a ton of sense. Um, you say frequently like how important it is that what you're saying resonates with somebody. And that's so, so important. Um, like the vernacular you work, you use and things like that. You want to use the words that people are using in the industry, which is something that takes some time to learn. <laughs> so um, I'm going to dial it way back now because towards the beginning, you mentioned that one-on-one -on -one coaching and consulting is, is extremely helpful in building out the course. So could we dive into that? Would you recommend that most people start with one-on-one -on -one while they're building a course so that they have some context through the creation or just I would love your thoughts on that. 
I don't think it's necessarily required, but I do think that it basically puts you on the fast track to success. So my course creation process kind of came about organically like that. I was about two years into my business. I was finally reaching success. The first year, I definitely struggled. I learned a lot of hard lessons. I made a ton of mistakes, but I definitely started reaching a much higher level of success that second year, and people were starting to take notice. And people were constantly reaching out to me on Instagram, in my inbox, and they were saying, you know, I want to open a business just like yours. Can you tell me how you did it? And again, because I went to business school, I'm like, absolutely. Here's my consulting rate. I would love to jump on the phone with you. So I was doing a lot of these one-on-one calls, but as we were talking a little bit about offline before we started, that was really difficult as somebody who was both a brick and mortar business owner who was in the process of expanding that business and as a mom of two very young children, it was really difficult to have that one hour of interrupted time and make it at a convenient time for the person who I was on the phone with, right? A lot of times when I'm recording my podcast, it's like five in the morning. So I love that I can do that kind of on my own schedule. But so anyways, I was doing so many of these one-on-one calls and I noticed that everybody was asking the same questions. Everybody was getting stuck at the same places. Everybody was really voicing very similar objections to me. And I noticed, you know, wow, these are really, really repetitive. And I feel like I'm doing these potential business owners a disservice because not only are all of these calls the same, but they weren't asking the right questions I found. So for example, they would get on the phone with me and they would say, you know, I'm thinking about opening in a mall or I'm thinking about doing this. And I'm like, well, you know, is that really the question you should be starting with? You should really figure out you know, what you're going to focus on. You should nail down your revenue streams and what you desire for your business, what your vision is before you ever look at a location. So I was feeling myself really kind of almost talking them back and I was reorganizing their thought process. And I was like, wow, it feels like this is a really common problem. Again, because a lot of people that come into this industry, they don't have business experience necessarily. Maybe they're former early childhood educators or they're stay-at-home parents, and they're not coming into this having written a business plan ever before or having business school to kind of fall back on that experience. So I noticed that, again, this was a really common problem. So I thought, you know, why don't I sit down and organize all of my advice, all of my tips, all of my, I guess, insider secrets into this online course. And I didn't know the term online course really when I first (laughs) got started. I just knew that I needed a way to basically multiply myself because I couldn't keep up with the demand that I was facing. I didn't have enough hours in the day and certainly not enough quiet hours in the day to actually do this consulting. So I started looking up, you know, how are people doing this? How are people kind of scaling their consulting businesses? Especially I was looking at parents of young children and business owners, people who were multi-passionate. And I found online courses and I started, you know, really consuming content around that. I found a couple mentors and I just put the first version of my course out there. And it was all completely based on what I had learned during that one-on-one consulting. And a lot of that reasoning is because I don't necessarily fit into my own ideal avatar or my ideal customer. And I think a lot of people make that mistake. They assume everybody that's going to come to me is going to be exactly like me. 
And actually for me, it's kind of the opposite. So if somebody's coming into this business with a ton of business knowledge and they've written a million business plans and they know how to prepare, you know, a balance sheet and things like that, my program might not be as helpful for them. I really want to target people who are passionate about opening this business. They want to make their community better. They want to earn additional income for their family, but they have no idea where to start or what a business plan even looks like or how to ask for funding or how to approach investors. So had I not gone through that one-on-one consulting process, I really would have approached my course creation process differently. And as we were kind of talking about early in the conversation, I would have figured that out eventually, right? I would have put the course out there. Nobody would have bought it. It would have taken me months to figure out what was wrong. So by doing the one-on-one work first, I think I just reached that level of success and where my course was selling at a really, um, at a rate that I was really, um, had been looking for for a while. I think it put me on that fast track to success because I knew exactly what people needed, exactly what they were looking for, and exactly what they were struggling with. Absolutely. And and I think it was an important note that you made that a lot of people were asking the wrong questions. And it's one of those things in the marketing world where they say um, you have to sell people what they want in order to sell people what they need. And I just think that was a great connection that you made there because that's often the case. And it's not even like anywhere on the journey, you're often asking the wrong questions because you don't know what you don't know. Right. So, (laughs) um, cool. So, I mean, I'd love to get into brand before talking about your passion a little bit more. So, cause you already mentioned, like, you have to reshoot this stuff. Like how often are you, do you tend to be recreating steps in the course? Like when is the course finally ready and how important is um, branding the materials and making it all look pretty, having a super nice camera and things like that? Is it better to be done? Is perfection the enemy of progress or what are your thoughts there? So I always like to view my course as something that is always a living thing. I, it needs constant updating. It needs constant tweaking, constant optimization. I never really view it as finished because I know there's always something that could be added. For example, this past year, I noticed that in my backend membership, it's a membership that's only open to people who have gone through my course. So they have a lot of valuable insight about what might be missing from my course. So I noticed they were having a lot of issues with cost projections and revenue projections, and they just weren't sure how to pull all of these numbers together because a lot of indoor playgrounds have many different revenue streams. And they were like, you know, where do I come up with these numbers? Do I pull them out of a hat? Do I Google them? You know, do I use your numbers? Because, um, you know, one of the things I provide to my students is my financial statements from my business, just so they can see what a real business looks like from month to month. And I reached out to a CPA and I said, hey, this really isn't my wheelhouse. This isn't my area of expertise. Can you put together you know, a plug and play spreadsheet for my students? And I hired them to do it. They did an amazing job. And I added that to my course as a supplement and said, hey, I have a lesson all about estimating costs and estimating revenue, but now you can actually plug all of your numbers into a spreadsheet, see what that means for your bottom line, see what it means for your take-home pay. And Every time they view a location or every time they consider a different price point, see what that looks like for your actual business and play with the numbers, get comfortable with them. Because again, a lot of my students don't have a business background. They're not comfortable with numbers like I am. So I'm always adding, I'm always listening, I'm always looking for the next thing I can add. My communication with my customers and students does not stop with the sale. 
And that's one of the things I love most about having that membership is it allows me to go back, make my course better, and that allows me to constantly raise my price. I raise my course price every single year. And part of the reason why I feel comfortable doing that and why I'm able to justify that is because I am always adding to it. Absolutely. So let's get into your niche a little bit. So you mentioned, or I don't think you mentioned before the call that you were you were doing more broad strokes marketing stuff. And then you really found your passion when you niched down and, and you started working with the brick and mortar indoor playground owner. So I'd love to talk about your niche, your niche rather, um, but I would love to also talk about your journey and in, in arriving to the niche. And also more importantly, why it's totally changed your business. Absolutely. And one thing I forgot to mention just a moment there, and it kind of ties into this question, is I think that a lot of people let let perfectionism get in their way. My course is I talk over slides. And I had to kind of ask myself, is that what my customers want? Is it what they need? Or do they want pretty branding? And because I don't work with online marketing professional, professionals anymore, because I work with a different industry, I'm able to give myself a lot more grace, I think. And I kind of asked myself, okay, what's more important? Is it constantly having the most up-to-date, valuable course possible that is constantly getting updated? Or is it pretty slides? And for my industry, for my niche, they don't care what it looks like. They don't care if every font isn't the same. They don't care if, you know, they have a highly designed, you know, studio-like experience like some of the online course creators out there have. They care about the information. They care about getting where they're going to be from point A to point B as quick, as easy, and as stress-free as possible. So again, because I work in this very specific niche and I understand what they actually need to find success because you know, that's what it all comes down to is are your students getting results? I knew that I could impact the results a lot more if I constantly updated the content. And for me, what my life looks like right now with, again, two little kids, I would never be able to update my course as often as I need to, to get those results if I had to hire a video crew every time, or if I had to do my hair and makeup every single time. So I you know, figured out what was important for my students. I talk over slides. Sure, would they love to see more of me and would they love to you know, have that studio experience? Sure. But it's not going to impact their results the same way that constant updating would. So you kind of have to, again, as I keep saying, learn about your students, learn about your niche. And as you mentioned, I did pivot. So originally, because I actually worked in corporate marketing before I started my brick and mortar business, it was what I was comfortable in. And so I started doing Facebook and Instagram ads as a business. And I started talking a lot about marketing and online business. And not only is that industry so highly saturated, it is a little bit harder to break into. I just wasn't finding a lot of joy in it. The people that I was attracting, the clients that I was attracting, it was just a complete mismatch. And I didn't feel myself getting excited to do the work. I I still do Facebook and Instagram ads for people, just some people that I've kept on as clients for many, many years. And I do love that work. But it just wasn't ever going to you know, make me excited. And I could feel that. And I had to identify that pretty early. So during the pandemic, this industry, the indoor playground industry, was hit very hard. And at this point, I was kind of doing both. I had my Play Cafe Academy course, but I was really only serving 
prospective indoor playground owners. I really didn't have a lot of content geared towards current owners who were in the trenches. I kind of said, you know, here's how to start your business, here's how to set it up for success, and then you're on your own. But during the pandemic, I realized that, wow, all of these businesses are really struggling. And because I had just sold my business at that time, I had more time, I had more energy, I had more space to really dive in headfirst and serve those owners at a higher level. So I completely pivoted. I abandoned my online business stuff because again, if you take a break from an online business or walk away from an online business, that is not going to have the same ramifications as a brick and mortar business. So I said, oh my gosh, I have all of these students who have taken my course who are struggling now. I felt this huge calling and this huge responsibility to help them. So I abandoned the online business stuff. I created my membership for owners. I launched my podcast. Uh, which is really geared towards current owners. And I just started creating all of these resources for these owners. And I realized like, wow, this is actually making me excited. I have a note that is, it must be 20 pages long in my notepad in my phone of every single time I get an idea, oh, this would be a great episode. This would be a great video. I now am able to visit all of these indoor playgrounds and see the results in real life and see their success. And to me, I just really am so thankful and not thankful for the pandemic, but I'm thankful for the chance to pivot my business because I don't know if I ever would have realized how excited serving indoor playground owners makes me and how much impact I'm able to have on them, right? By doing Facebook and Instagram ads for a business, sure, you can get them more sales, but seeing the real life impact that I was having on these people's lives and families and empowering these, you know, mostly women, I do have quite a bit of male clients, but mostly women who are now able to stay at home and watch their kids grow up and have this business kind of almost on the side, whereas a lot of them were working corporate jobs that had demanding hours. They were sending their kids to daycare. They weren't feeling fulfilled. I just felt like I was able to have so much greater of an impact on those people as opposed to who I was serving before. And again, it was just making me so excited and it was absolutely reflected in my sales. I was really afraid that niching down to such a specific market, indoor playground owners. I mean, a lot of people always say, you know, how much could you, you know, possibly generate in sales from that market? I was blown away. And now we're just, you know, I spend all of my time figuring out, okay, what's the next problem I can solve for them? What's the next thing I can offer them? So, you know, above and beyond courses and consulting, I now have a team that builds what builds websites for indoor playground owners. I have you know, a CPA that I recommend. I now partner with all of these different point of sale softwares to create these custom solutions for my students. So again, for me, getting really deep into one specific industry has been so much more fulfilling than, you know, doing what I was before. And I think it all comes down to the people that I was attracting and how they matched with my own personality, my own skill set. So that's not going to be true for everybody. Some people find, you know, doing marketing work very fulfilling. It just wasn't for me. And I knew that if I kept going down the trajectory that I was going on, I was going to burn out. I was going to abandon it. I was going to, you know, never really find that true fulfillment and true happiness. So again, I'm thankful for that opportunity that the pandemic gave me to really pivot. And I have not looked back since. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This is all so tremendous, Michelle. I wish I could talk to you all day because I have a hundred more questions. Um, but 
You're busy, obviously, as you mentioned, two kids, brick and mortar business, and you're helping other people build theirs. So um, if anybody out there was interested in your coursework or anything like that, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? So my website is just my name. So it's michellecarawana.com. That's where I have my YouTube linked. I have my podcast link there, all of my free resources, all of my courses, consulting. So if you want to see any of this stuff actually for yourself and kind of put all those pieces together, again, my website is just my name and that's kind of my hub where all of my resources lie. Absolutely tremendous. Um, That information will be in the show notes. So anybody listening right now, you'll have easy access to Michelle. Uh, Michelle, I wanted to thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is accomplished one action at a time. So go out there and commit to taking massive action. If you wanted to create a course to help people, maybe you should go meet some people, talk with them one-on-one, figure out exactly what they need, and then provide them that information. You'll be surprised how easily your life will improve. So thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next one. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 